Father, we come before you today on your Sabbath day. We thank you for the blessings. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray that we would honor you in all that we do. We pray that you would bless those here, bless those watching online. Father, we also pray for uh, Pastor Jake in Pennsylvania and your people throughout the world and Melinda Fouth. We pray that your healing would be upon both of them and that you would provide a full recovery. And Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We know that all good gifts are from you. There is nothing, nothing that we have that is not from you. So we thank you for all that we have and all that we've achieved. For we know that inevitably it is all originating from you. And Father, we thank you now and we give you praise and honor. And we ask all this in Yahshua's beloved name. Hallelujah. So I'd like to uh, just take a moment to reflect upon uh, Unleavened Bread. Passover was a really great feast. So um, I'd like to uh, just thank everybody here who made this possible. I, you know, I've been keeping the feast for, or let's see here, I'm 44 years old, so 44 years. And um, I was kind of young for many of those years, but 44 years. And uh, I think this was a very best feast for me, Unleavened Bread. It was just a really phenomenal time. We had great, great people here. And uh, everybody pitched in, uh, a good spirit, and uh, just um, very positive. So uh, I'd like to uh, thank those online, because we had many people not here now, but watching online. And again, everybody here that made this feast so special. Or today, let's see here, what slide do I have today? We will be speaking about Yahweh's name. You know, for me, there's nothing greater. There's no name greater in this vast universe than for the one we worship. Yahweh's name is an essential part of, of our worship and, and our praise. In this message, we're going to review a few things today. I'm going to first review scholarship. You know, scholarship overwhelmingly confirms the name Yahweh. We'll see many examples. Of course, we could look at many more. I could probably take the entire message today looking at different scholarship encyclopedias on Yahweh's name. We also know that Yahweh's name was revealed to Moses of old. We're going to see an example of that today. We also know, according to Isaiah, it says there that Yahweh's people will know his name. Very pivotal statement in my mind. As a nation, we know that Israel was called by Yahweh's name. Again, very important to understand that Yahweh's name identified Israel as a nation. And, I believe, identifies us today. But we also know that our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, called upon Yahweh's name. We'll see this in the New Testament, example of this. We also know that Peter and Paul, they both stated that Through Yahweh's name, we find salvation. Those who call upon Yahweh's name will be saved, it says, and we'll see some examples of that. We'll also see in the book of Revelation that we are sealed by Yahweh's name. It's an incredible truth. We have a sign and a seal in Scripture, and we'll speak about that briefly throughout this message. And lastly here, we're going to see throughout the word that we're to call upon, that we're to honor, that we're to exalt, that we're to praise, and that we're to remember the name of the one we worship. It's just amazing, it's phenomenal, it's just unreal, the references we have to Yahweh's name. You know, such a significant truth. You know, for me, I believe that recognizing the name of our creator, the one we worship, is one of the most important aspects of, of our faith, of what we do. And I hope, after this message, you will agree, if you don't already. And again, for those online, we know that we have many new people that are just now beginning to understand these things. Now, before opening up to the Word, I want to first give you a few facts. So here's a few things we know about Yahweh's name, kind of some of the pivotal truths here. 
Well, the name Yahweh comes from the four Hebrew letters, Yod, Hey, Wow, Hey. And you know, we're, we're doing a review at the end of this message. You may want to take note. Uh, the scholar and historian, Jewish historian, Josephus, called these four-letter four letter vowel consonants. These letters can act as vowels and also consonants within the Hebrew language, which is intriguing. These four letters are known as the tetragrammaton, coming from the Greek, meaning four letters. Now, this is something that surprises a lot of people, this next one here. The name of Yahweh occurs 6,823 times within the Hebrew text, within the Old Testament. You know, just consider that for just a moment. 6,823 times, nearly 7,000 times do we find Yahweh's name within the Hebrew text. So if we would go to the Hebrew of the Old Testament and simply read what it says, we would see Yahweh's name almost 7,000 times within the text. And lastly here, Yahweh's name comes from the primitive root Hayah, verb of existence, means to exist. So again, just a few quick notes on Yahweh's name, what it is, what, how it's how it is, uh, spelled in the Hebrew, and uh, some of the uh, fascinating facts about the uh, letters themselves and the occurrences we find. I want to now transition to the scholarly evidence. And again, I could spend the entire message focused on this. I could spend, in fact, we have a, uh, I'll talk about this uh, in a moment, but we have a reference in the RSB, a chart on this. So here's just a few references. This fir- the first one is from a book about the Bible. I, I picked this book up uh, at a um, used bookstore years ago. And um, it's a phenomenal book. You know, sometimes you find these little treasures. And um, I, I read this book has so many intriguing quotes I uh, pull out. But it's from uh, page 247. It says, Jehovah's that in that from was unknown to the ancient Israelites. So again, they, they knew nothing about the name Jehovah, did not exist within the Hebrew language. In fact, Hebrew scholars say that Jehovah would have been impossible according to the strict principles of Hebrew vocalization. The God of Israel was known by name approximately rendered into English as Yahweh. And I'm going to read these quotes just as they are. So here we find that the mighty one of Israel, the same mighty one we worship today, by the way, the best scholarship released here says, known is Yahweh. Okay. So another one here, this is a Zander van pictorial encyclopedia of the Bible under Yahweh. This is Yahweh, meaning debated, but often tied to the root, meaning to be or become. The word Yahweh is a vocalization of the four consonants. And again, they're vowel consonants. They can be either vowels or consonants. We know that. In the way many scholars think this covenant name for us as God was pronounced in Old Testament times. So again, here is another confirmation that the name is Yahweh. Yahweh. The Erdman's Bible Dictionary. Now, these next few quotes are important because it speaks about the church fathers. It speaks about the ancient church fathers and, and, and the fact that they understood how to pronounce this based on the Greek. It says, The pronunciation of Yahweh is indicated by transliteration of the name into Greek in Christian literature. And keep in mind that prior to the Masoretic vowel points, there was no way to really verify the Hebrew because there were consonants. They knew how to speak them. I mean, it's not as if the vowels did not exist, but the vowels were not written. 
It was not until the vowel points, but Greek had vowels. Greek had vowels. So we know through the Greek how to pronounce this. It says into the Greek in early Christian literature in the form of I-A-O-U-E, Clement of Alexandria, or I-A-B-E, which the B has a V or a W, so you can kind of see the I-Y-A and uh, W-E there. Theodoret, by the time Greek, B had the pronunciation of V, and of course we know that originally the V was the W of the Wa within the Hebrew language. It says, it's, uh, strictly speaking, Yahweh is the only name of God. In Genesis, wherever the word Sem or Shem, name, is associated with the divine being, that name is Yahweh. So again, this is a very, very accepted, well-accepted Bible dictionary by most all believers. And here we find them acknowledging and saying and confirming that based on ancient evidence, ancient evidence, the name is Yahweh. Now, one of my favorite encyclopedias is the Encyclopedia Judaica. I don't agree with everything in there, but it's an exhaustive source. It's a great, great source. And um, here's what it says. It says, the true pronunciation of the name YHWH, yod heh wow that's where we get the name, was never lost. You see, many people claim that the name was lost, that the pronunciation was never lost. Now, the Jews will call this the ineffable name, the name that we should not speak, but the pronunciation was really never lost. You see, we have evidence. It says several early Greek writers of the Christian church testify where they witnessed that the name was pronounced Yahweh. So again, this is from the Encyclopedia Judaic, one of the most trustworthy sources within Jewish scholarship. And if anybody would understand how to pronounce the name of the mighty one of the Israelites, it would be Jewish scholarship. And based on the evidence, based on the Greek evidence, they are saying and confirming that that name is Yahweh. And again, I could spend the entire message going through source after source after source confirming this. Scholarship overwhelmingly acknowledges this name. The Encyclopedia Britannica, I believe we're all familiar, right, with the Encyclopedia Britannica. It says early Christian writers, such as Clement of Alexandria in the second century, had used the form Yahweh. Thus, this pronunciation of the Tetragrammaton was never really lost. So there it is again. Confirmation that the name, the Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton, was never lost. Greek transcriptions also indicated that YHWH or yod heh should be pronounced Yahweh. So again, more evidence for the name. This is a very short list. This is a very short list of encyclopedias and dictionaries all confirming the same conclusion, and that is the pronunciation of the one we worship is Yahweh. That is the pronunciation based on the Greek. There are many, many more references we could refer to today. Many, many more. In fact, as I mentioned, in the fourth edition of the Restoration Study Bible, we have three pages Three pages of sources all stating that the pronunciation is or likely Yahweh. Three, small print, by the way, small print, three pages. You know, the other thing we see here is that Yahweh's name was never lost. You know, some will claim that we really don't know how to pronounce the name. Some will say that the Jews, they concealed the name, and they did in many ways, or at least starting about the third century and then continued on. 
But no, we see here that that's not the case. In fact, from these references here, we find based on the Greek evidence, many of the church fathers confirm the pronunciation of Yahweh. So this is the pronunciation most scholars, many scholars, favor. And this is the pronunciation we use here, believe that this is the closest to what the evidence shows. I want to transition now and talk about what we find within Scripture about Yahweh's name. Because it's incredible what we find in Scripture with Yahweh's name. You know, I'm just always dumbfounded when I look at the Scripture, just simply read the Scripture. And, and the fact that so many are just opposed to this sacred name. You know, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, that really doesn't matter what we believe, does it? I mean, it doesn't matter what I believe. Really doesn't matter what you believe. The only thing that really matters is what we find scripturally, what we can prove, whether that's from encyclopedias, whether that's from, from other sources, and most of all, from scripture. But that should be the source we're going to. This is the source to validate what we believe as believers, right? Scripture. So we're going to look at Scripture. And I want to begin with an an important passage. This passage really lit a fire for for some of the pioneers within this movement. They discovered this passage. Many of them were Sabbath keepers. And they said, wait a minute. We find a Scripture talking about the name. Or what is his name? So let's read the Scripture. Proverbs, Proverbs 30, verse 4. It says, And who, who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind, the, the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? So what are we talking about here? We're speaking about creation. We're speaking about creation. It's an important point to know. We are speaking about creation. We are speaking about when Yahweh established the earth. And it says, what is his name and his son's name, if thou canst tell? So again, what is this passage speaking about? We're speaking about the creation of this earth. When Yahweh set the boundaries upon this earth, when Yahweh gathered the land and gathered the waters, this is what this passage is speaking about. Now, what's important here is what we find, we're all of us important, but what I want to focus on is what we find here near the end. It asks a really simple question, but important question. It says, what is his name in the name of his son? Again, for the men who began this movement, the pioneers of this movement, they read this passage and they said, they said what is his name? They dove into scholarship, striving to understand the name of the one they worshipped. Again, they weren't using his name. They did not know his name. But based on this, they knew that his name was important. So they began that long journey to understand. Now, scholarship, as of today, they understand Yahweh's name. And again, as I've quoted many, many, uh, many of the uh, dictionaries and encyclopedias, we see evidence for Yahweh's name today. Now, if this name is not important, why would the author of Proverbs ask what we find here? Why would he ask what is his name, if you know? What does it matter? If his name doesn't matter, why even ask? 
If the name is important, there is no reason to even ask what we find here. So again, this was a very intriguing passage. This lit the fire for the pioneers of this movement to search these things out. Now we find one more thing that's fascinating here, and that is a reference to his son's name. He says, what is his name and the name of his son? So we see here that certainly the son did exist at this point. You know, as we believe here, the son's name is Yahshua. Yahshua. In John chapter 5, verse 43, we find an important clue. It says here that the Messiah came in his father's name. That's what it says in John chapter 5, verse 43. It says that he came in his father's name. Well, the name Yah is generally recognized as, I believe anyway, a family name. A family name for the one we worship. The name of our Savior literally means Yahweh is salvation. Look it up. Look it up. Take a dictionary out, go to Messiah or whatever you want to look up, and you're going to see for the Messiah's name, no matter how you want to spell it, generally speaking, most scholars will say Yahweh is salvation. So we see that with Yah. Of course, that's again the abbreviated form. We're going to see that again today. And Yeshua. And Yeshua means salvation. So Yahweh is salvation. We see the meaning of the name through Yahshua, and really why he came. Why did Yahshua come? Why, why did our Savior come? Where he came to die for the sins of mankind, to bring salvation. And that's what his name reflects. And we see in Exodus 3, verse 14, that Yahweh's name was revealed to Moses of old. Exodus 3, verse 14. Now, Yahweh's name was known prior to this. I want to kind of make that point understood. But here Moses is receiving the name. It says, And Elohim said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And Elohim said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Yahweh Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob. And by the way, he is our mighty one today. He is our Elohim today. But it says, Hath sent me unto you. Now listen to what he says here. Listen to what it says. It says, This is my name forever. This is my name of forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. So we see here Yahweh, the creator, our father in heaven, conveying his name to Moses of old. He tells Moses here that his name, that this is his name Yahweh, and it's his name forever. And it says memorial, a memorial unto all generations. Now, in Hebrew, I want to review some of these words in Hebrew, understand what they mean. Now, in Hebrew, the word forever comes from the Hebrew olam. Most of us are probably familiar with this. Olam is a very common word. It literally means time out of mind. Time out of mind. In the King James, the word is translated as always, eternal, lasting, perpetual, and without end. So that's the meaning of olam. So basically, the word forever means forever, right? Forever means forever. Time out of mind, perpetual. It doesn't end. Now, the word memorial is also important here. It comes from the Hebrew zekur, refers to a memento or to a commemoration. So a commemoration is what? A commemoration is something we remember. The King James translates this word as memory or remembrance. 
So we learn here through the Hebrew that Yahweh, number one, is his name. And that, and that we're to remember this name forever. Forever. And when it says forever, it literally means forever. Not just for the Jews. Not just for Israel of old. Not just for a certain people or a certain time. But it says forever. And that's a very important word to understand. It says that we are to remember that this is his name forever. And this is what he is to be remembered by. Think about that for just a moment. This is the creator. This is our father in heaven. And he's telling Moses, Yahweh, this is my name. And he's saying, you are to remember this name forever. This is the name I am to be remembered by forever. That's why this is so important. That's why this is so important. You know, Malachi says that Yahweh doesn't change. We know that the one we worship is is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. The one we worship doesn't change. He doesn't change in who he is or what he is. He doesn't change in his standards. He doesn't change in, in how he views mankind or this world or the standards he gave to mankind. If Yahweh's name was important in the Old Testament, I can assure you that it's important now in the New. And we're going to see evidence of that later, but, but just from what we find here, revelation of Yahweh's name, and him saying that this is my name. And listen, there is no many-name scenario. He has one name. He has many, many titles. But he has one name. And, that, and by that name, he is to be remembered by. Now, I want to look at Isaiah 52, verse 6. This is another pivotal passage in my mind. Isaiah 52, verse 6, it says, Therefore my people shall know my name. I thought about just kind of ending it there, but you know, I'll finish it up here. It says, Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. So Yahweh here is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And he says here that my people will know my name. Now this was spoken to Israel of old, but I believe it's just as relevant to us today. The the message we find here is just as relevant to us today. He says, my people will know my name. I believe this applies to us like Israel of old. We too are considered his people. His people are through time, and we are his people. And just as Israel of old, we are to remember and we are to know his name. You know, do we not worship the same mighty one that Israel worshipped in the Old Testament? Or the answer to both is yes. Just like Israel of uh, before us, we are again considered as people, and we worship the same mighty one. And again, as we know from Malachi, he does not change. You know, if it was important for the people of the Old Testament to know his name, I believe it's safe to say that the same is true today. Yahweh is not just a name, by the way. It serves to also identify the one we worship. And it also identifies his people, his nation. And we see an example of this in Second Chronicles 7, verse 12. Here's what it says there. Second Chronicles 7, 12 through 14, it says, And Yahweh appeared to Solomon by night. So again, this was during the reign of Solomon. And you know, Solomon, he was, in the beginning, a great king. He had a heart to serve Yahweh. But we know that Solomon fell a bit short near the end. But it says here, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. You know, because he prayed earnestly. He really wanted to know and really wanted to do what was right. 
says, I have heard thy prayer, and I have chosen this place to, my, uh, to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, when I read this passage, I can't help but think about our own nation, our own state we have within this country of ours. I believe most would agree this is no longer the same nation that it was 30, 40, or 50 years ago, is it? We have changed drastically. We have declined morally in more ways than we can possibly count. The traditional family is under siege and failing. Sins that our father calls an abomination, and I'm going to call them out, homosexuality, abortion, Sins that he finds abominable are now accepted and even praised. Morality has been flipped upside down and sin has now been embraced. You watch the news and you're kind of dumbfounded. Why? What are they thinking? Well, this is what happens when a nation goes reprobate. When a nation turns from the one they worship. When a nation forsakes their mighty one. We have forsaken the one we worship. Just as we find here that Yahweh is warning Solomon of. Israel as a nation also suffered from many lapses in morality. In fact, some people will, will, uh, well, I won't go through all that, but they will say, how can Israel be Israel, or the Jews today be the the Jews, of how they are? And it's like, I ask, when in in the history of Israel did they ever do what was right? I mean, they, they did more wrong than good if you look at their history. They practiced all kinds of sacrilege, including sacrificing their own children to Molech. Consider that for just a moment. Placing your child on on the the arms of this deity. Killing this baby in honor of this false mighty one. Or they did that. They did many awful things in their history. Yahweh knew that Israel would do this as a nation, that they would backslide as a nation. So we find here that he gave Israel a roadmap. He gave Solomon a roadmap as to how to repent and to get back home, to get back to him. He begins here by saying, if my people which are called by my name, my people which are called by my name, the name of Yahweh is not simply a name. It serves to identify his people. We find here that Israel was known as a nation under his name, it is so much more than just simply a name. It is, simply, it is so much more than saying Yahweh is understanding who he is, what he represents, and who worships him. You know, as we've already seen in Isaiah, his people will know his name. And as we see here, his people are called by his name. Such important connections to make when we speak about the name of our Father in heaven. I want to finish here the roadmap for repentance. This is, always, this is a great passage. Many wonderful lessons here. We find here that it begins with humbling ourselves. Humbling ourselves. You know, as I've expressed many times in the past, I believe that humility is an absolute for a believer. We must have humility if we're going to succeed. It goes on to say here that if we pray and seek Yahweh's face. You know, seeking Yahweh's face is, is, simply, is simply doing his will, following his word, 
That's how we seek the face of the one we worship. We do his word. We follow his truth. We live according to his standards, all of his standards. This is how we seek his face. We honor his Sabbath. We keep his name. We keep his commandments. We show love to our neighbors. This is how we seek Yahweh's face. And when we see here also, it says that we're to turn from our wickedness. Now, this is the roadmap, I believe, to forgiveness. We must humble ourselves. We must seek Yahweh's face. And as we see here, we must turn from our wicked ways. And Solomon, or Solomon, Israel did do that. There were times when Israel repented. Now, Yahweh often had to remove them. You know, we see many examples of that, by the way, in Judges. Anybody familiar with Judges? It's amazing. And so, you know, Judges really makes me think of this nation. Because you had one good leader, and Israel was prosperous. And as soon as that leader died out, I mean, immediately, immediately they turned from true worship. And they sought the worship of other nations. Immediately. It wasn't 20 years, 30 years. It was immediately. And this was a pattern. It happened time and time and time again when they simply refused to obey Yahweh. That's what good leadership does. I want to talk about now Yahweh's name from the New Testament. From the New, because, you know, a lot of people, they want to see evidence in the New Testament. You know what it says there about Yahweh's name. So let's see what the New Testament says. I want to first begin with Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2, 11 through 12. It says, For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the assembly. Will I sing praise unto thee? Now, this passage is a prophecy of the Messiah. It's a prophecy of Yahshua the Messiah. It's also a quote, verse 12 is also a quote from uh, Psalms 22, 22. It's amazing, by the way, how many quotes we find from the Old and the New Testament. It says here that he would declare his name or thy name to thy brethren. Again, this is a prophecy about the Messiah. The name here. The name here is a reference to Yahweh's name. This is the context. If you go back and look, the context is Yahweh's name. He is going to declare who the Messiah is going to declare, speak of Yahweh's name. That's what it says here. So what we find here is that the Messiah would use Yahweh's name. He would declare Yahweh's name. And we know that certainly the disciples would have known and understood Yahweh's name. So with that in mind, let's just consider some of what we've already looked at so far. Exodus 3, verse 15. We find there that, that, that Yahweh revealed his name to Moses. And he said, this is my name forever. This is what I will be remembered by. It doesn't matter how long goes by, does it? That, those words are just as relevant today as they were then. If Yahweh said 6,000 years, it wasn't 6,000 years ago, by the way, but if he said 6,000 years ago, this is my name, this is what I will be remembered by, that is relevant to us today. 52, verse 6 of Isaiah, again, it says that his people, Yahweh's people, will know his name. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14, again, we just saw that, that 
the nation of Israel was called by Yahweh's name. And here we find in the New Testament in Hebrews that Yahshua would declare his name, Yahweh's name, to his brethren, to those whom he loved. Now, Matthew 6, verse 9, we find another reference to the name. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It says, After this manner, therefore, pray you, our Father, which art in art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, Yahshua provides here an example of how to pray. He begins here by saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed is from the Greek hagiadzo. It means to make holy, to reverence. Yahweh is, Yahshua is saying here to hallow, to, to make holy the name of his Father. So in this model prayer, our Savior is telling us to make holy, to venerate the name of our Father in heaven, Yahweh. So again, from the Old Testament, we find that his people will know his name. And we find here, Yahshua the Messiah is saying that we are to venerate the name. That's what hallowed means, to venerate the name, to make it holy. And we can't do that if we're not going to use it. We can't do that if we want to simply ignore it. Again, keep in mind in the Hebrew, before the translation came about in Hebrew, the name Yahweh occurs 7,000 times, or 6,823 times to be exact. But about 7,000 times. If we were reading from the Hebrew, we would see that. So again, we see evidence of, of Yahweh's name. Now, venerate, what does it mean? It simply means to highly esteem, to honor. So again, we're to honor Yahweh's name. I want to take a few moments and just talk about some of the other lessons we find here in Yahshua's model prayer. Begin here by uh, what he says. Next here, he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know, for me, this shows that Yahshua's focus was the kingdom and doing Yahweh's will. And, you know, doing Yahweh's will will get us to the kingdom, by the way. We must do something. Yahweh's done an awful lot for us. He's given us his only son. We know that we are saved and we are redeemed. We, are, we, we, we find our atonement only through the son. But we also know that we have a calling to live a holy life, right? We have a calling to live a righteous life. We have a calling to follow his word, to do his will. And that's what it means to, to, uh, to, to, to follow his will. It means to follow his word without compromising goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. You know, as believers, it's important to recognize that everything we have is from our Father in heaven. There's nothing we have that is not from him. Our, our shirt on our back, the pants or the skirt, dress, whatever we have on today, is from him. Our home is from him. Our food is from him. Our spouses are from him. Our children are from him. Everything we have is from him. So we should pray that Yahweh would provide for those needs. Here we find the focus is, is uh, providing for that food, that bread. 
You know, James, in the book of James, it says that all good gifts are from him. They all come from him. And that's an important lesson. We should never get to the point where we think, or look at what we've done. Look at what we've achieved. Or Yahweh's given us different gifts and talents, and yes, we, through those efforts and that initiative, we earn certain things. But inevitably, the root of that is the Father. It's not us. It's not what we've done. It's not the initiative we've put forth. Sure, that helps, but everything comes from our Father in heaven. Yahshua here closes by asking Yahweh to forgive our sins as we have forgiven others and lead us not into temptation. You know, as we see here, one of, this is an important passage for me. I think forgiveness is a very important attribute we find within scriptures. It's a very important uh, fruit, as we see within Galatians. We find here that forgiveness is reciprocal. Reciprocal. It means that for us to receive forgiveness, listen, that we must also forgive. If we are unwilling to forgive, and there's some people out there, they're just unwilling to forgive. They're going to hold a grudge until they die. And if we're that person, we are in a heap of trouble. Because Scripture says if we're going to find forgiveness, if we're going to find reconciliation, that we must first reconcile that we must first forgive. So that's an important one for me, forgiveness. And that we must show forgiveness before our Father in heaven will show forgiveness to us. Very, very important as believers that we show forgiveness and mercy and compassion to one another. You know, like love without forgiveness, we can do all the right things. You know, in that passage, it even says, you know, we can give our, all our money to the poor, and we can give our body to be burned, all of these crazy things. And so even if we do these crazy things, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing there just a little bit. Even if we do these crazy things, and if we don't have love and, and forgiveness and all these, you know, we're not, we're not going to succeed. So again, forgiveness is a big one. Well, let's now transition back to uh, Yahweh's name. And um, two very important passages. Two very important passages. We're going to look at each one separately. But Acts uh, 2, verse 21 says... And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call in the name of Yahweh shall be saved. Peter says here that, I guess I get, we can all read, but whosoever calls on Yahweh's name, what? It says, will be saved. Now, what's important here is to realize that this is a quote from Joel chapter 2, verse 32. This is a quote from Joel chapter 2, verse 32, where we know that Yahweh's name is within the Hebrew text. That's important to remember. So Peter here is quoting from the Old Testament, from this passage within the Old Testament, within the Hebrew that has Yahweh's name. You know, based on this, I believe that Peter would, would have been using Yahweh's name here. He was quoting Joel, and we know that Joel has Yahweh's name there. This is a crucial understanding. You know, if we simply take Peter's words at face value, we find there's a connection between calling upon Yahweh's name and salvation. There's just really no getting around it. You know, we can try. We can try to ignore it. We can try to explain it away. We can say it maybe means his authority, maybe something else. I've, I've heard many, 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 many things over the years. But it says what it says. And what it says is that those who call upon Yahweh's name will be saved. That's what it says. So if you simply take that at face value, simply listen to the word, Forget everything we know. 
listen to what it says, and the only conclusion I can come out with is that those who call upon Yahweh's name will be saved. Real simple. Now, the Apostle Paul said something very similar to this in Romans. Romans 10, verse 13, it says, For soever, whosoever, shall call upon the name of Yahweh shall be saved. You know, like Peter here, Paul says that those who call upon Yahweh's name will be saved. Let me ask, why are we here today? Why are we here? Why are we worshiping today? Why why have we decided to go down this path? Or hopefully the answer is to please the one we worship. Hopefully that's why we're here. I'm hoping that's why we're here, to please the one we worship. So one of the ways we please the one we worship is by calling upon his name. That's what it says. Not only pleasing, but we find that it leads to salvation, but it's certainly pleasing. You know, Yahweh's name, it's not a trivial thing. It's not a trivial thing. You know, based on what we find within the Old and New Testament, Yahweh's name is a salvational truth. If we desire to please the one we worship, we must, we must, we must use, exalt, praise the name of the one we worship. And that name is Yahweh. It's the only name he has. There are, no, there are no other names. There's titles, but there are no other names. One name. Yahweh is not simply a name. It's a word that identifies who he is. You know, as we know, the rendering of Yahweh's name can be rendered different ways, including I am that I am, I will be what I will be. There's nothing outside of who he is or what he is. It's also the uh, comes from the Hebrew hayah, the primitive root, the verb of existence. Now I want to turn to Revelation 14, verse 1. At the beginning, I spoke about a sign and a seal. Of course, we know that the uh, sign is a Sabbath. A seal is Yahweh's name. Revelation 14, one, uh, 14, verse 1, it says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, when will this take place? Whereas we see in Revelation 7, this takes place right before the great tribulation. We see there that Yahweh tells the angels to hold back the winds or to hold back the plagues while he can seal the servants of his. Of his. So this occurs at the beginning of the great tribulation, that three-and-a-half-year period, right before Yahshua returns. So we see here the seal it says here that he's going to write his name his name upon their foreheads those 144,000 people who are sealed with his name and the seal is given so that so that the plagues would not harm his people you know see just like Israel of old they were exempt from many of the plagues in Egypt but the same thing is going to be true for believers in the great tribulation They're going to be exempt. And they're going to be exempt because they're going to have Yahweh's name on their foreheads. They're going to have this seal. They're going to know and they're going to use and they're going to have this this reliance on the greatest name in this universe. In the book of Exodus, the Sabbath is called a sign. We also see this in Ezekiel. And as again, we see here, Yahweh's name is called a seal. You know, so between the Sabbath and Yahweh's name, we have the sign and the seal. What do these two things represent, the sign and the seal? Well, they both, in my mind, represent the same thing. 
They serve as a marker emblem to show and to, distinct, to, to distinguish Yahweh's people. The sign and the seal. The sign and the seal. They, you, they are used to distinguish Yahweh's people. That's why it's so important that as believers we keep the Sabbath. And we keep Yahweh's name. We use Yahweh's name. We honor Yahweh's name. We call upon Yahweh's name. In addition, of course, to having faith in Yahshua the Messiah, having faith in our Savior, because we know both are required. In fact, I'm not going to turn there, but in, we find uh, two passages in Revelation, uh, Revelation 12, verse uh, 17 and 14, 12. And both passages basically say the same thing. They say that, that the saints are those who keep the commandments of Yahweh and have faith in Yahshua the Messiah. You see, we can't have one without the other. If you want to walk this walk without faith in Yahshua, you can keep all the commandments. You can be a Pharisee of Pharisees, but in the end, you will not succeed. But the same thing is true for those who ignore the commandments. So we must do both as believers. I want to transition now to the book of Psalms. We're going to have a few Psalms. I'm not sure if you know it or not, but Psalms has a lot to say about Yahweh's name. It's really incredible, the references it has in Yahweh's name. I want to just look at a few. So the first example is Psalms 88 or 80, verse 18, and also 99, verse 6. It says, 80, verse 18, says, So will not we go back from thee, quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. 99, verse 6 of Psalms says, Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them, that call upon his name. They called upon Yahweh, and he answered them. And again, we know that Yahweh is in the Hebrew, the yod heh This is not something I'm inserting. This is something that's in the Hebrew. This is something in the Hebrew. You know, the theme we find here is this. Yahweh's people called upon his name. This was true of Moses, Aaron, Samuel. The priests served him. This was true for all those who served him in the Old Testament. This was true for David. King David used and called upon Yahweh's name. We see this in many of the Psalms. Again, according to Malachi 3.6, Yahweh doesn't change. And I believe this would include his name. And also Yahweh in Exodus 3 verse 15, just to drive this point home, he told Moses that this is my name forever. Not just for you, not for Israel alone. He said this is my name forever. And this is the name by which I am to be remembered by. You know, with this in mind, why would we not as believers call upon his name? It was used by all the great men and women of the Old Testament. It was also used by our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, in the New Testament. It was also expounded upon by Peter and by the Apostle Paul, saying those who called upon this name would be saved. Why would we not use this name? Why would we ignore this name? Now, in Psalms 145, verse 21, we find that we're to bless his name. It says there, my mouth shall speak the praise of Yahweh. And again, you can go to the Hebrew. That's what it says. yod heh My mouth shall speak the praise of Yahweh and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. You know, this is an amazing psalm. Sometimes, you know, you do these messages or you're doing a study. You've never seen something before. You've never realized something. Or I saw something I never really saw before. It says here that all flesh should bless the name of Yahweh forever and ever. All flesh. 
Not some flesh. Not Israel of old. His is all flesh. All flesh. Every person or human being. All flesh. That's what all flesh means. Everybody. Not a certain group. Not a certain demographic. Not a certain nation. Not a certain country. Not a certain place. Not a certain time. All flesh. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Now the word forever again comes from the Hebrew law. It means forever. Time out of mind. The word bless here comes from the Hebrew barak. It's a primitive root within the Hebrew language. It means to kneel by implication to bless Elohim, to bless him. So from the psalm, we find that every person on earth has a calling to do what? Every person on earth, every person that on, on earth on, on, in, in this world has a calling to bless Yahweh name, Yahweh's name and to do so forever. And I believe that this is pretty good evidence that as believers we should bless, that we should praise, that we should call upon, that we should use, that we should exalt the name of the one we worship. Speaking about exalting his name, here's what we find in Psalms 34, verse 3. It says, So magnify Yahweh with me, and let us exalt his name forever. So he begins here by saying that we are to magnify the name, that we are to magnify the name. How do we do this, and what does this mean? The Hebrew word, where the word magnify comes from the Hebrew gadol, it's a primitive root, again, meaning to esteem or honor. So we're to esteem, we're to honor, we're to praise Yahweh's name. And we do this by lifting it up in praise and, and using it, deliberately using it. It also says here that we're to exalt his name together. You know, the word together here reminds me of the psalm we just read where it said that, that, that all flesh was to bless his name. Where here it says that we're to do this together. Together we're to exalt the name of the one we worship. Now the word exalt here comes from the Hebrew room. And, it is, and again, it's a primitive root meaning to rise or raise. So this is how we exalt Yahweh's name. We raise his name. We raise his name. We don't raise his name by ignoring his name. We don't raise his name by saying it doesn't matter what we call him by. We raise his name by using it, by calling out with it, by by praising it, by singing with it, by praying with it. That is how we exalt. That is how we raise his name. You know, from this... I find it a mandate from the one we worship that we are to use his name. How can we ignore Yahweh's name when he says, when he says, it's not us, it's not me. He says it. He says that we're to honor, that we're to use, that we're to exalt, that we're to, honor, that we're to praise his name. Two more passages here. One and next one here is Psalms 45, verse 6, uh, 17, it says, I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. Again, another important psalm. It says that we are to remember, remember Yahweh's name. How long? It says for all generations. For all generations, we are to remember Yahweh's name. You know, just as we saw in Exodus 3, verse 15, Yahweh told Moses, this is my name, and this is what I'm to be remembered by forever, forever. Not just one generation, not two generations, not a thousand years, forever. We also see here that this name is to be praised forever and ever. You know, with this in mind, tell me that his name doesn't matter. You know, when our Father in Heaven specifically says here that we're to remember, to praise his name, we're to do it. We're not to compromise or we're not do it. 
I want to close with Psalm 60, verse 4. This is kind of an important psalm for many of us. Many, many of us know this by heart. Uh, psalm 60, verse 4 says, Sing unto Elohim, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rides upon the heavens by his name, Yah. And that's what's in the Hebrew, by the way. not Yahweh, Yah. Y-A-H. In fact, if you look at the New King James, you'll see Yah. You'll see Yah. It has it right there in the English. It says, and rejoice before him. So we see that we're to sing to, that we're to praise, that we're to extol Yahweh by this term or by this name Yah. Now, Yah is an abbreviated form for Yahweh. should be kind of obvious there. Some will say it's the poetic form of the name. I kind of like to uh, say that it's the family name. Again, this is the first syllable of our Savior's name, Yah, Yahshua. Yah, Yah, referring to Yahweh, Shua, referring to salvation, Yahshua. So again, we see here that we're to praise our Father in heaven by his name. You know, as we've seen throughout this message, there is no greater name in this universe. And we have a calling. We have a commission. We have a mandate, I believe, based on the evidence to use and call upon Yahweh's name, to praise Yahweh's name. Again, Yahweh's name is found 6,823 times in the Hebrew, almost 7,000 times. Don't you believe it's important to him? If he made sure that his name was in the Hebrew 7,000 times, don't you believe it's important to him? Don't you believe it's something we should look into? Don't you believe it's something we should be using? There's not many, very many Hebrew words that are within the Hebrew text 7,000 times, I can assure you. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I know enough about the Hebrew and some of these words. There's very few words in there 7,000 times. Yahweh wants us to know his name. And again, what did Yahshua, what did the Messiah say? Yahshua said that, that we were to hallow the name, that we were to venerate the name, that we were to praise the name. You know, who is the Messiah, the Messiah is our example. We are to do as he did. We are to worship as he worshiped. Everything he did, we're to mimic, we're to emulate. And he said that we were to hallow Yahweh's name. And I hope this has been a blessing to you, a good review. As his people, it's important that we always understand his name, that we use his name, that we praise his name, because it's so much more than a name. It identifies who he is. And uh, it's just so important. So I pray it's been a blessing to you.